There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And as always, Michael, you can call us the front of the goddamn plane because we are all business to begin with. If you want to follow this podcast, you can do just that on either Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman on social media. Do give us a follow, give us a message, send us your favourite stuff from the show, or just hail abuse and Michael Hamlet, where you can do that. <laughs> He'll tell you in just a second. If you want to follow either of your hosts, though, you can do exactly that. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamlet. At Michael Hamflit. Indeed, you can get this podcast in all sorts of different ways. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow on Spotify. You can subscribe on Acast. You can listen on Acast through their app. Um, you can pretty much anywhere that you find podcasts, you can find Podcast Horseman. Uh, we will upload the podcast every Friday to our at Podcast Horseman Twitter account. Little Acast embedded link there so you can listen to it through that tweet if it makes you happy. And through Apple and Spotify, we believe, and possibly Amazon Music now. If you want to leave us a five-star review few words and those five precious stars we'd be really grateful for it the northeast of england might be in tier three but in terms of bojack horseman podcasts we are tier one so leave us those five star reviews it gets us up the charts it gets more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse and it will get you a star on our hollywood talk of fame if this is your first episode as we always say why get yourself all the way back to the beginning we give out a star every week in a little bojack design very lovingly made by our very own adam nicholas for somebody that leaves us a review and we will be reading another one of those reviews at the end of this episode yes we will my friend lovely little references there topical references to things that are happening in 2020 i love to see it we will need these 2020 remarks as we record these still from our own homes when we're listening back to this in 10 years time and the world looks like what we once knew it as. I think we're going to be very grateful for these one day. I think we are. We've accidentally stumbled across a time capsule and I'm pretty happy about <laughs> it, to be quite perfectly honest with you. But, you know, in the in the spirit of keeping things sort of light, you know, because mm-hmm. I realise times can be tough. I guess, Michael, you could say that we are James Bond this week because we have got a license to drill. <laughs> <laughs> Because this episode is season four, episode four, and it is called Commence Fracking. The campaign takes a toll on Diane's love life. Bojack helps Hollyhock search for her mom, and Princess Carolyn tries to get pregnant. It seems, Michael, like we have 
three guys and gals who are ready to go and do their stories. What's going to happen? Yeah, it's taken us four episodes of season four just to get to a point where things feel normal. And in the world of Hollywood and in the world of Bojack Horseman, normal is Bojack sitting very awkwardly with a girl that may or may not be his daughter with neither of them knowing what to say. We pick up virtually where we left off at the end of season three, uh, the end of episode three, where Hollyhock appeared back at his front door, presumably with a load of questions. And we start episode four with him working through an awkward silence. Bojack is being brutally honest about how little fatherly support he can really offer her. Um, but she's more interested in whoever her mother is. She didn't come for her father. She's already explained to Bojack. She's got eight of them. Uh, Bojack is uh, just dies on his arse with a great metagag about <laughs> how How I Met Your Mother slash Josh Radner is already a dated <laughs> reference um, before having his own cliched flashback for 1999, that traditional meta-reference they make to how time is used as like an expositional gag in most TV shows, cut short by Hollyhock when he briefly drops that in about him driving down Holly Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, she is not interested in any of that. Uh, the gist is, unfortunately for Hollyhock, Bojack had sex with a lot of women he didn't care about before settling on a woman called Marcy. Uh, he notes that um, she was a nutter and a good lay. Those are quotes, those are Bojack's words there, not mine. Uh, Hollyhock, as you can imagine, is dejected by this, but they do agree to track her down in the morning. Uh, Hollyhock drops hints about not wanting to get murdered, going back to her hospice in a bad neighbourhood. And after Bojack visibly does not give a shit, he finally relents and lets her sleep on his couch. Um, even then, uh, insists that she not get all excited about sleeping in some Hollywood star's house. Uh, he's keeping this relationship at arm's length. He is actually showing a level of honesty even if it's, if it's at the expense of this like brand new relationship that could sort of have any significance in his life. Uh, we hit the credits from there, but we'll go into the first scene with Bojack and Hollyhock post-credits, if that's okay, because we find that Hollyhock has already shown yet more clues that she might have a certain, um, you know, like a genetic bond with Bojack. Last week, Todd kept spotting things that made him think that they were very much related. And Bojack wakes up to his microwave exploding because she's tried to cook a Pop-Tart foil on. Uh, they ignore it, which is very, very Bojack, uh, and head to find Marcy, who it turns out was the president of Bojack's fan club. Um, Hollyhock is, as you can imagine, disgusted by the very nature that he would sleep with the president of this fan club. But Bojack owns it completely. It was somebody that was going to show him undying love uh, that he didn't need to care about after the fact. He's basically owning his negligence of Marcy's feelings as a way to remain negligent of Hollyhock's. Feels like a good point to stop and have some early assessments of this new and quite intriguing relationship. And Bojack's almost being so forthright, you would respect it if it wasn't potentially his daughter he was speaking to. Yeah, there's a bit of a dynamic here, isn't there? Because in, in his defence, Todd did try to warn us about this last episode, because as you will recall, Bojack's penis, Michael, was like sun-dried tomatoes in the 90s. It got into everything, which it would seem we are now going to get the payoff for all these years later. And subsequently is the driving force behind the plot of let's go find the mother. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I did appreciate I did appreciate uh, Josh Radner and How I Met Your Mother getting pelters. I think Bojack's life was how quickly we forget. How quickly we forget indeed. Or how quickly you realise maybe it wasn't all that good. Who knows? <laughs> um, not any dig on How I Met Your Mother, by the way. I enjoyed that show as much as the rest. But things have come to light, I think we both agree, mm -hmm. as the years have certainly gone by. Uh, I'm looking at you as well, Ross Geller. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, to be fair, this is crossover content. We discussed this on How I Met Your Podcast, don't we? 
we do <laughs> the next podcast that's coming 2020 never um, <laughs> but keep tuned for that one yes this is a fascinating dynamic though between Hollyhock and Bojack um, I just I love the way they do this like Bojack's terrible terrible version of like the, can you even call it parenting at this point I don't think no, you can call it parenting not really. <laughs> attempts to bond see he's back our 007 uh, to like make things sort of some version of normal with Hollyhock, this girl who he's literally just met, and as you say, has had about five of the worst conversations he could possibly have with her already. He is, at best, and I mean this is absolutely at best, he's stubbornly prepared to provide function, so he'll yes. give her a roof over her head, he'll maybe help her get some breakfast or a drink, and if he absolutely has to, He'll help her find her birth mother. As if that isn't like an enormous... Ca- oh, fine. Okay. Oh. It's not like I haven't got other stuff to do. Um, yes, I must. We, <laughs> we find them turning up at Marcy's and uh, she immediately admits to giving the baby up for adoption. This has been even easier than uh, either Bojack or Hollyhock could have thought. Um, she did explains that she tried to call Bojack at the time, but he gave the number to a sandwich shop and he never called her. Um, we go later to them in Marcy's living room. Marcy and Hollyhock are catching up. Um, but Hollyhock is a little bit spooked when uh, Marcy pulls out a book of all of Bojack's future partners with red X's on their eyes, with their faces scraped out. Um, she kind of got the pictures <laughs> by locating the home addresses of all of Bojack's other girlfriends. Um, and at this point, Hollyhock briefly bails to the toilet. She looks a little bit alarmed, we assume, by just how obsessed Marcy was with Bojack at the time, but of course, you know, we know that's maybe not the weirdest behaviour for somebody that was a president of the fan club that Bojack then slept with. It just looks like another woman that has been damaged by Bojack's actions in the past. Um, But the plot appears to then thicken. Um, Just as Marcy and Bojack have this very minor moment where Marcy says, it's a shame this has only come to light now. It could have been nice and simple. And Bojack just stares off ever so slightly in the middle distance and thinks, Actually, yeah, this could have been quite nice. That conversation is broken up by Hollyhock, who is in the toilet and needs Bojack for, I think the quote is, father-daughter bathroom stuff. <laughs> Bojack does the bathroom. It's nothing as weird as it sounds. Hollyhock's done some sleuthing through what um, Marcy was wearing in some pictures, through a summer, <laughs> summer uh, dress she was wearing. She expresses some really good film knowledge and through that has realised that Marcy can't be her mother. Um but she does say that Hollyhock, uh, Hollyhock says that she needs a scrapbook uh, of Bojack's other girlfriends because it's the best chance they've got of actually finding who the real mother is. It sort of brings to light the idea that Marcy was maybe just immediately capturing the opportunity to dig deep into a lie to try and get the relationship with Bojack that she's always wanted. Um, but she needs Hollyhock needs Bojack to distract Marcy in order to get the scrapbook. We cut to uh, Hollyhock creeping into the living room set to the sound of Bojack asking trivia questions from horsing around. So we believe, obviously, Marcy's head perhaps to be turned. If only it wasn't so literal. A grim zoom out reveals that Bojack and Marcy are having sex behind the sofa. Uh, Hollyhock's got the scrapbook piss easy and is left to deal with the horrid visual that she, when she leans over the sofa, sees what, thankfully, none of us have to. Uh, she's appalled by this, but it's just one more thing in this day of being appalled by Bojack. The important thing is, she's got the scrapbook, indeed the plot can move along, and Bojack yet again can just kick Marcy to the her Mar- Marcy to the curb. A good old-fashioned hump and dump right out of Bojack's night is, and a lot to take from a very small amount of time in Marcy's house. 
as if the conversations weren't bad enough en route to this destination. <laughs> Bojack has now managed to... A daughter who, I mean, how long can he have known her for at this point? Not very long is the answer. Yes. I think we can... Yes. <laughs> like, literally days. Has now just been... Is caught even the way? Was he even trying to hide? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, has just has just been caught, in inverted commas, having sex with Marty. And better yet, Michael, is that he didn't even try and stop. And he would finish when, when Hollyhock says... You're disgusted. <laughs> At which point he says, oh, that's what I needed. <laughs> <laughs> so not only has she had to bear witness to this, but she's almost an accomplice in this, much like Todd was back in the day when he got dragged into my, to Bojack and Sarah Lynn having sex at Bojack's house. Like, Hollyhock has now been involved in one of her father's sexual experiences. <laughs> And she's only known him for like 48 hours or something. That's a really good comparison with Todd because it sort of feels like, yeah, this was the moment. If it wasn't already in the car and it wasn't yeah. stopping at his house, she's been dragged into Bojack's world. And he's still, he's not putting up a front particularly either. It's like you say about the, he wasn't really hiding that they were having sex. Just he didn't need to have sex with her to distract her. And that's what he's gone to because that's who he is. And Hollyhock now is kind of, she's duty bound because of the need for the scrapbook and the need for the links to the other women, potentially. Well, the more I think about it, he's done this for Hollyhock. He's done this to Todd, dragged. And if you recall, is it um, him and Naomi Watts? Naomi in the Watts, kitchen? yeah. And he, he, he's like, obviously basically mounted here in the kitchen. It's so just like... Gross. She's like feeding them chocolate yeah, and horrible. mayonnaise or some bullshit like that. And it's awful. One of the most disgusting things, ironically, in this show, just because of how horrible it is. He's like drags people into his sexual experiences, which is <laughs> fascinating, really. But yes, I can't imagine this is the impact that uh, he was hoping to have on Holly. Oh. Nor she hoping to get off what would technically be her ninth dad. Oh, we saw it from the very first episode of her horsing around. The man just loves an audience. Um, we are we are back three, to three, three little orgies. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, god. Um, but I can only I'm working out where to go next. Um, and Bojack just casually notes that he once dated uh, Tilda Madison, who is a star of a TBS show, Time Medium. They get on a, a long bit about how Bojack doesn't even like the show, about how it shouldn't really work. Uh, but they move regardless to her office at the TV studio. It's very much a sanctum. There are people tending to her every need. Um, and she has very little interest in Hollyhock as she's in the room with her, let alone the idea that she would have to have a child with Bojack um, or what anyone particularly has to say. Turns out that uh, she was pregnant as a result of her relationship with Bojack. Um, and when she found out, she also began to quite like the idea, similar to kind of Master's suggestion that this could have been something. Um, she puts it that she was into the idea of domesticity. However, Bojack sent her a check for $200 for, quote, his half of the abortion that he wanted her to have. Um, while they're reveling in the disgust of that decision, it actually turns out that she did have the abortion, which, of course, Bojack supports. He says, quote, the last thing the world needs is any more of this garbage. He's kind of referencing his own genes, his own poison that we talked about before. But naturally, Hollyhock takes that terribly. She's deeply offended by the idea that she would be from garbage stock. 
when our early impressions are that fundamentally she's not a garbage person. Um, Bojack notes that, quote, she seems cool, um, but says still follows up with, but, you know, if we could go back and prevent it, and again leaves an awful, ironically, pregnant pause after that, as if to make Hollyhock somehow think, well, yeah, I guess that should have been prevented. Maybe the world would have been a little bit better. He is, again, not hiding his own horrific attitude to himself, to others that may have spun forth from him, in this case, Hollyhock. Um, she storms out of the room anyway, uh, and Bojack <laughs> tells Tilda that the show sucks, says it should be called Tedium. He's really pleased with that line. That seems to be the reason that he's happy to have gone there, <laughs> so we can get this one-liner out at this ex's expense, even though she still fundamentally at least looks like a very successful TV star. Uh, Hollyhock at this point is just really pissed off with Bojack's comments um, and has no time for him. Um, she, she's rightfully so quite irked that he would be bothered about having to go and see all the women that he's been absolutely horrible to because that's of course what this exercise is Hollyhock was fighting mother and in doing so Bojack is having to come face to face with the, just the way he treated all of these people back in the 90s um, he questions why they're even bothering and that's enough um, I should point out at this point Hollyhock had told a nice little story um, that when she was with friends watching Freaky Friday, um, which of course the, the loose plot is that the, the younger and the uh, older female characters get to swap lives and all of her young friends were talking about their own mothers and it kind of struck Hollyhock that she never had one of her own. Bojack at this point assumes that she is still looking for a literal Freaky Friday moment, not that she would want to just trace some of her tree. He is appearing and not care or not show any interest as to why she's wanting to do this and she's had enough. Um, she insists that he pull over and let her out of the car. She's going to do it on her own. She's got the scrapbook. She's got all she needs. Uh, she gets out of the car when he finally relents and she screams, have a bad life. And he puts his head above the sunroof and goes, joke's on you. I already have one. Which, of course, mirrors when uh, he was saying that he was going to die alone when he was having his Oscar party. He thinks he's won that little verbal battle, but he's not. Um, just briefly, and I'll kind of like get your thoughts on where we're at before their final mm. coming together again. Bojack gets back to his empty house um, looks at there being nothing and nobody there. And he says, quote, alone at last. Thank God. But then as he says it, he spies the burnt out microwave from the morning and realises that he has to track down Hollyhock. It's the first point at which he's at least come to terms with the gravity of what she's doing, even if he's trying to, I guess, reject the gravity of the things he did back in the 90s. Well, that's it, isn't it? Because like up to this point, he's kind of, I guess begrudgingly come up, gone along with fellow rides because I honestly think because he's got nothing else to do that day, it's more seemed to be the, the situation. <laughs> but this is the first time where we kind of get a little glimpse into him maybe seeing, like, I feel like the microwave thing, he sees the Bernard microwave and he kind of knows what it's like to be Hollyhock, doesn't he? A bit lost, a bit mm. like searching for your purpose, searching for that thing that you're trying to find and not being able to find it. And it's fascinating to watch him actually eventually try to show some sort of humanity despite mm. horse manly, horse manly <laughs> this time, is that, I guess? Um, despite, like I say, to this point, probably in typical Bojack fashion, Hollyhock is worse off for knowing Bojack already. I mean, so far, and it's not taken very long. <laughs> Done it in record time. It's it really well, um, it's like they use a great device to move the plot forward as well, which is a lovely callback, of course, to a conversation he had, a very earnest and sincere one he had in season one with Vincent Adultman, oh, how we miss him, when he suggested <laughs> that life 
it's just a secret of closing doors. Um, Bodak experiences that firsthand uh, as just girlfriend after girlfriend after girlfriend want nothing to do with him. Uh, before this uh, little montage of slam doors ends with one getting slammed in Hollyhock's face. She has now come to experience every aspect of the Bojack Horseman life that she could have had, <laughs> um, but it at least results in Bojack tracking her down. It's at the very last girlfriend in the scrapbook. They've finally kind of had no choice but to come together again. She's spoken to 23 women who all individually hate Bojack. Uh, the whole experience, as you can imagine, has resulted in her just regretting ever trying to track her mother down in the first place. All she's come away with is a lesser experience of the man that she believes to have biologically birthed her. Um, she reiterates that her eight dads are enough, but this is where Bojack again finally sees some sort of familial link to her. She seems to decry that just because she's got the eight dads love her and care deeply for her, that it's not enough. Bojack says, if you've got any of that horseman gunk floating around in you, it'll never be enough. Nothing will ever be enough. And it's as if there's a light bulb moment both ways between the two of them. There must be this link between them. Uh, she cries. And again, we go right back to the start of the episode in his pathetic attempts to try and deal with this. He at first goes, whoa, and then tries the limpest of their theirs before it actually kind of like breaks the ice a little bit with her noting that he cannot do this. He's bad at this. Um, but nonetheless, it's clear that she appreciates that he's gone to the trouble of trying to track her down in the first place. The mere acknowledgement that he would chase the 23 women just like she did suggested that there was something there. There was at least one little light burning between them. Well, they kind of bond, don't they? They bond over his uselessness. That's the thing. It's like, as you say, it breaks the ice. And even though she's saying, you're bad at this, she's kind of saying it in a, in a fun way. Like, you are like really bad, like embarrassingly, laughably bad at this. And I think she kind of, that's her microwave moment, I think, with Bojack, where she kind of looks at it and thinks, actually, he's trying, even if he's crap at this. Like, I can tell that he wants to be good at it. It's the first time as well. She's reading affection because it's the first time he's shown this situation any affection. He's shown whatever her, he's thought for the first time in this episode about her needs rather than his own. He didn't need to have to face those 23 women, but she did. And it's the first time that he's acknowledged that this was more about her than it was about him. It's yet again, it takes him so long to get to like burst his own little bubble that it almost becomes too late. But as is always the case with Bojack, he gets second chances. Hollyhock notes that they're great dads and uh, she's going to get back to them. She's had enough of all of this. Uh, but Bojack offers her to stay a little bit longer. And then to convince her, uh, he remembers out of the blue, Nicholas, the name of another <laughs> woman. And I've got it written down just in case there can be any mistake here. Um, it was, quote, Brown Car. Le. Carla, Mercedes-Benz Brown, he notes uh, <laughs> unconvincingly uh, and <laughs> as we're kind of dwelling on what a strange name that is, this shot zooms out to a wide shot to reveal a brown Mercedes-Benz car right next to the pair of them as they're having this conversation. <laughs> she notes, holy hock, bless her, uh, so, like dares to question this name and Bojack just spits back yeah, well, your name's weird. And Hollyhock actually takes this as a good thing. She's got that ridiculously long surname, obviously, that it can be a nice icebreaker when they do finally get to meet. She accepts this as a, a reason to stick around, as a reason to try and find her mother. <laughs> and as she sort of says, oh, yeah, it can be great. It can be the first thing that, the, uh, that we talk about together. Bojack responds with the most buttoned up, 
Mm-hmm. As he's trying to protect this giant lie that he's crafted on the spot. Um, this is the end of Bojack's arc in this episode. Um, and we're going to get onto some of the other characters for the first time in a long time. They've actually been separated from one another. But just really briefly, I thought it was quite powerful that even in Bojack doing something nice for Hollyhock, there's a file in the cake yet again. Because she's just said she wants to go home to her eight supportive dads. And Bojack mm-hmm. keeps her there with a lie because he thinks he might benefit from it. You cannot just have, you can't have the sentiment of this moment without something wicked lurking beneath it. Bojack Horseman is a piece of shit. Like, (laughs) there's no no two ways about it. He's a piece of shit. And every time you think he might have just done something good or he might have turned a corner, you should know there's going to be a receipt. And just this one, admittedly, is spectacularly fast. I will give you that. (laughs) Because he does something nice and then immediately just bends that narrative and bases another, like, he found some ground by being honest, by doing the right thing, and then in order to try and keep said ground, decides, let's just base this whole relationship on a lie again. That's a good idea, isn't it? The man is outrageous, but I did have one question for you, Michael, that was about this particular part. You mentioned Hollyhock uh, has a confusing last name. Can you tell me what it is? Sorry, our Wi-Fi cut off there, Nicholas. Sorry, oh, is that I, right? I, I, yeah, we must have we must have lost connection there. Were you just asking me to move on to Diamond Peanut? Is that where we're up to in the podcast? Yeah, is that? No, I tell you what we we're going to do. We were going <laughs> to let. Sorry, what there? I'm just going to call. Oh, it's the professionals are here who told me <laughs> that uh, Hollyhock's name is Hollyhock Mannheim Mannheim Guerrero Robinson Zilberschlag Sung Fonsarelli McQuack. Apparently, is what I've been told. But of course, you already knew that. You took the words right out of my mouth. And speaking of, speaking of meat, let's get to the diner, Mr. Peanut Butter Plot. Because, because, like the sandwich that appears on Diane's file photo, this one is loaded. There is an awful Very lot. Good. To Very good. Very good. I recover that. Um, I've, they are... given you the, I've given you the Bojack Horseman there, there. <laughs> That's what you've earned there. Well done. There are a lot of differences to the A plot and B plot because unlike uh, Bojack and Marcy, Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter are failing to have sex. We join them struggling uh, to enjoy some private time, just the two of them, and they awkwardly agree after it fails that it's probably because of the campaign stress. Uh, Diane looks forward to it going back to normal after the election, but Mr. Peanut Butter casually notes, oh, unless I win, uh, Diane seems less than enthused about this particularly because of his pro-fracking stance, of course, last week. May have found out Mr. Peanut Butter accidentally backdoored into being pro-fracking, which he knew would piss off Diane because she just asked him to do that one thing, uh, stand for that one thing. Uh, Peanut Butter does say it's just campaign talk, then tries to use a gross fracking analogy for having sex with her when this is all over. This does not work for her in the slightest. But they're interrupted by Katrina, of course, Mr. Peanut Butter's ex-wife, his campaign manager, who notes that uh, Mr. Peanut Butter somehow is up in a CNN poll, uh, then notes privately to Diane that she should get some makeup on to stop her looking sad, uh, seemingly not bothered about her actually being sad. Uh, straight away, Diane's hit with both barrels here, and Mr. Peanut Butter is off to the races. Seemingly feels like a good uh, word you've just used there, because <laughs> that would be another way to describe Mr. Peanut Butter's attempts at being sexy by saying that he wants to, quote-unquote, fill Diane full of a mysterious substance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my goodness me. 
Medics haven't proven this yet. These are the two characters that had an abortion last season. <laughs> yes, just in case you forgot. <laughs> oh my. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, Diane, you know, hey, listen, rap, rap, pew, pew, Michael. <laughs> Get that uh, fetus. <laughs> Kill that fetus. <laughs> I mean, look, we all learned a lot, didn't we, from 16? They should remember those lessons. Uh, we find Diane, obviously, from being a bit more honest and forthright with Mr. Peanut Butter at home. to not being able to quite open up at work. Um, she's in a pitch meeting at Girl Crush, uh, and all of her colleagues are pitching articles about them having lots of sex in very happy relationships. Uh, and she offers the alternative, she says, so not to alienate the readers of Girl Crush that maybe aren't having as regular sex as most of the writers seem to be doing. Uh, Stefani spots what's going on straight away here and uh, wants to have Di a chat with Diane in the hot take yoga cool down area uh, where yeah. Diane admits to Stefani uh, that she wants Mr. Peanut Butter's campaign to be over. Uh, Stefani no uh, notes the polls that uh, they talked about obviously this morning with Katrina and that he might actually win. Um, she thinks that people won't care about fracking uh, because it's a fun and rude word to say and suggests that if Diane wants to get this off her chest, she write about it. Do an anti-fracking piece. Do an anti-Mr. Peanut Butter piece. Um, this obviously finds Diane at a crossroads, again, professionally with a personal life that we knew would happen the day she accepted the job. But time can't stand still in the Peanut Butter house. Mr. Peanut Butter is speaking to Tom Gobonjobo about fracking, at which point Tom does a little bit of gotcha journalism. He's a little bit cheeky. Uh, he says that uh, Mr. Peanut Butter, <laughs> tells Mr. Peanut Butter that Diane has indeed published an essay for Girl Crush called The Case Against Fracking. We then cut to the quote, as I mentioned before, with a picture of Diane designed on a minor where she's eating a very messy Subway sandwich. She looks shocked <laughs> at the picture is even being taken. Um, the quote says, if these frack-happy politicians knew how dangerous it was, they wouldn't allow it in their own backyard. Uh, Tom Gumbo Jumbo, quite cruelly again, puts Mr. Peanut Butter on the spot as he looks very shocked and quite saddened by the news that this piece has gone live. Um, but he forces Mr. Peanut Butter in saying he'd be absolutely fine for somebody <laughs> to frack in his backyard. Tom gets him again, noting that he has Frankie Flackery, the foreman of Flackery will get you everywhere, who is there with the equipment in Mr. Peanut Butter's backyard. He says, well, Flackery, Flack, let's talk frack. <laughs> Which point, Mr. Peanut Butter has no choice to agree to it there and then. Uh, your thoughts on just the slime ball moves by Tom Gumbo Jumbo here to drive an enormous, you may say, wedge. I'm going to go with drill through the relationship of Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane. He's putting some holes in this relationship, isn't he, Mr. Gumbo Jumbo? Much like the blowhole on the top of his head. <laughs> and I'm sure he's expecting mysterious substances to go flying out of it at the same time. Yes, this was expertly done, this. Because how many times have we seen it where you've seen a politician of, of any degree has been grilled so, like, so intensely on television? Mm -hmm. And they can just say whatever they want, can't they, pretty much? Yeah. Because there's no real, there's no immediate problems. But this is, like, <laughs> I mean, gets put on the spot gives an answer, and then Tom Gumbo Jumbo's got the guy in his house <laughs> on hand and ready to go. And Because he's on national telly, hasn't he? So he has to agree to it. Brilliant little bit of advancement. This Straight off the bat as well, of course, of Diane having just dropped that piece. There's like a weird flip side of this where 
obviously, um, it was the last episode, of course, where Todd is distracting Diane from mm. watching the news. Whereas now we've got Mr. Peanut Butter, it is, who's in the sort of the disadvantaged position. He's the yeah. one. He's the one who's oblivious as the news. No one's really stopping from being taught to him, of course. But it's like the shoes on the other foot at this point. And I just thought that was a fascinating way to go with this, especially given the end result ends up being the peanut butter, the pro fracker, is now <laughs> getting his backyard fracked by your man. What was he called again? Uh, <laughs> Frankie Flackery, who, of course, is the foreman of a Flackery will get you everywhere. Of course he is. Uh, I forget him. <laughs> it's quite nicely revealed, actually, because you are obviously you're left at Girl Crush with Diane again being offered the opportunity to write the piece, but she's knocked that back before, um, or she's resisted the urge to, I guess, for clicks. Um, and yet we're told at the same time Mr. Peanut Butter is that this has happened. And again, we're shown the pull quote. We're given all the same shocks that Peanut Butter has to endure. But obviously for him, it goes much worse because, as you say, his words are now on record. Um, and it's just as big a shock for Diane when she returns home to see the fracking taking place outside of their house. Um, and only gets more livid when her kitchen tap now dispenses fire instead of water. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina in full robot campaign manager mode, has absolutely no sympathy for the situation or Diane. Um, she mocks Diane's piece and just basically tells her to be blindly supportive, be a good little wife, as a, in her opinion, just to get through this campaign, which she's trying to do too. Quote, either you shut up and be pretty, or at least your approximation of that, or you don't support him, he resents you, and your marriage implodes. Uh, from one Mr. Peanut Butter to another, it's been really fun to watch this new marriage fall apart. Uh, Todd is there with Todd is there with a damn to try and like lift the spirits of the scene, but he's failing to do it. This is cruel. This is calculated, and this is uncaring. Katrina is single-minded here. It's goal-oriented. It's to get Mr. Peanut Butter elected. And where we thought she might not care about the marriage, it's pretty like saddening and maddening to see that she'll happily watch it dissolve too. And she seems very, very satisfied to do just that, doesn't she? Mm. I have to be honest though. Todd, you've undersold this a little bit here. Todd, his little sort of interactions in this moment, because he doesn't have a great deal to do this episode, truth be told. He did just have a whole episode of himself. Yes. But he, for anybody who's ever seen Community, uh, and you'll recall that um, Chang tends to be the one in the earlier seasons who is just in the background going, damn, she got you! <laughs> like, just doing all sorts of stuff like this. Todd starts off with a little damn, and then when Katrina finishes her absolutely vitriolic take to Diane, it really is horrid. Like, verbally, the biggest verbal slam dunk on her since probably Bojack hit her with yeah, that one so. at the end of last season. And Todd just goes, damn! And then whips an air horn out of his jacket and goes, <laughs> <laughs> It's like... It's such a good icebreaker. It's amazing. Obviously, it doesn't take away the impact, but Todd at least getting something in that was worthwhile. It was nice for that. It was nice for us, if not for Diane. I think so. Um, yeah. And the day gets no better. That obviously all the all the ill feeling has lingered. Um, we get to sort of the the end of the day. All of this is interspersed as usual with Bojack's plot. And uh, Miss Peanut Butter and Diane are now just actively fighting about fracking. Diane asks Peanut Butter outright, "Drop out of the race." She asks him twice, but the first reply um, from Mister Peanut Butter is to use the old psychology, psychiatrist speak that they'd once tried when they went to marriage counselling, but it just isn't working. She asks him again. 
um, she says, and she kind of again uses it as a threat, that she's ready to hit send on another article she's written called, quote, The Case Against Mr. Peanut Butter. The ultimatum is down. Drop out or she hits publish. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter says it'll just come off as an embarrassing lover's spat. Uh, but Diane notes that how pissed off she is, basically, that he went back on his word about fracking in the first place. So maybe this is a lover's spat. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter quite coldly replies, quote, like always, you're mad at someone. So your solution is just air your dirty laundry for everyone to see. Uh, Diane is increasingly more livid off the back of what is effectively her opinions being undermined. She fires back with, quote, this is not about us. I don't want you to be governor because you would be bad at it because you don't stand for anything. She's gone for the throat and with that she hits send. Mr. Peanutbutter is livid. He smashes the laptop, so she smashes his computer. She then picks up and threatens to smash a treasured good boy mug that he's got before doing so anyway. At this point, after the mug smashes on the floor, he violently backs her into a corner. It's, you know, a dog and a woman in a world where that is normal. You are watching something that looks to be on the verge of an outbreak of domestic violence between the two. Uh, they both struggle against each other, but this rapidly morphs into them having very rough sex for Katrina to hear, which is if I would I would say I would say this is the makeup sex, but it's happening during the row, at which point we cut to Katrina trying to do some work, thinking she has broken the pair of them up, just here having the room literally shake and having her work disrupted by the loud sex noises coming from the other room between Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane. <laughs> at this point again Alison Brie steals virtually the whole episode with an amazing off camera vocal performance as she screams frack me Mr Peanut Butter frack me and it's on that we hit the credits not the end of Podcast Horseman but indeed the end of Bojack Horseman they've given this the spotlight as the end sequence we are not allowed to escape it just as Katrina isn't either I am sorry right but you have accidentally made that even better in the middle of all this because you declared this whole this whole scene is them having rough sex <laughs> and you never even bat an eyelid and I can't tell you how much I admire your professionalism here because that would have in fact it did send me west I just had to try and cover it up but you <laughs> soldier on so fair play to you fair play to you barking up the right tree it seems for you it's a great like that is that's a good gag on its own terms yeah. because this fracking analogy wasn't working for her at the start of the episode and she's the one firing it out by the end. Um, it's an incredible payoff to uh, a, such a bad bit of dirty talk <laughs> at the start of the episode. There's an element of, um, I don't know, comeuppance for Katrina when there's what sounds like quite a lot of comeuppance for Mr. Peanut Butter. Uh, there's an element of resolution for Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane for now. But it's not, is it? She's pressed send. The damage has been done. Yeah. Before, as I say, the makeup sex that isn't really presented as such. It's it's so funny, but it's complex. It's really complex. Like if we get past the, the jokes of it all, like this is highly dysfunctional. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's highly, highly dysfunctional. And we were worried about this at the start. We knew in fact at the end of season three where uh, Stefani did question uh, Diane and said, what if I ended up asking you to do an article? We never got to technically see what happened, but we feel like it was confirmed that Diane agreed she would. 
as she tells Mr. Peanut Butter at the end of season three, I got the job, which is the thing that was said, but we never got to see. And then now it seems it has played exactly out as perhaps <laughs> the show was intending. This was great stuff, though. I think we could both agree that Diane and Peanut Butter's relationship is more complicated, grows more complicated by the second. Mm. But if this is the payoff, Michael, <laughs> I mean, I'm all in. <laughs> It's um, nice, I think, to be able to uh, have Diane take a bit of agency back, even if it is at the expense of potentially a marriage or a close relationship. We talked about how she's just been battered. She's been just clobbered by everything she's tried to do in her life. And even though this comes with all sorts of bother, you know, publishing these pieces, she is at least getting her truth out there and claiming some of that back that's been taken away from her. At a time, really, when Peanut Butter's whole campaign is based on not the truth, which is quite mm-hmm. interesting. She's she's clearly having that dilemma as well, because at work, the thing that is getting clicks is whatever has, I don't know, an evocative title and a good thumbnail. Um, but then she is left trying to figure out what her thing is. This It was a big moment to press and send. I feel like you're right. Mm. I feel like she was here trying to claim a moment back. And they really, really try to like amp up the. It's it's quite intense, man. Like the 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 road these two are headed down. This sort of the picture of how many times have you heard about it, where a couple start that implode and then the in the house and then they end up having these sort of domestic scrapes, as you would put it. Yeah. But they really amp it up in the animation. If if you for anybody mm-hmm. watching, as Diane sort of pushes her hand in Peanut Butter's face, and she sort of like turns his head to the side and. There's a brief couple of shots, a couple of um, frames where Peanut Butter has got his teeth, his teeth are revealed. Mm. Like, and it makes him look so scary, man. Like, in obviously, as scary as a cartoon dog who's running for governor of California can look at this time, <laughs> of course. Like, the, the, the gritted teeth, you, you know, when you've seen a dog that's got like yeah. a, something in its mouth, it really looks intense. And I just thought it was a lovely little added bit that to a, a scene that ne- I think it needed it to kind of remind you just how kind of intense this is. It's you've nailed it with dysfunctional because and those teeth are if that was a man that's a raised fist. Yeah. It's maybe not a it's maybe not a punch that follows through, but it's a raise. It's the the imminent threat of violence on another person. That's what those teeth are. Um, it's it's one of the first times that we've obviously we've talked almost like I guess we stopped talking about it once we've done the pilot and the first few episodes about the humans and animals existing together in the universe, Bojack, and how they play with all the various different conventions. Unfortunately domestic violence within a relationship can be one of those things and this is the first time it's the first time i can think of where they've approached it overtly with one of the main characters and yeah done so with like lightest of touch but brilliantly so it really is there's a there's a real unease before you realize they kind of give you the tell where it's leading but in those moments as i say there's a pace with which he kind of forces her against the wall which would hurt and it is it's you, you feel it it's unpleasant it's in a low lit room it's all those kind of hallmarks it, it, gives you, it gives you all those clues from loads of weird sex between different <laughs> creatures. Let's go to some weird sex between different creatures and the C plot or the PC plot of this particular hey. episode. Uh, Mrs. Carolyn and Ralph uh, are seeing a gag obsessed fertility doctor who uh, <laughs> is so obsessed <laughs> with cracking these jokes. We've seen this done in other television shows before where they want the serious news, but he just wants to give them the gag. Uh, he does offer a solution for the fact that they have fertility problems, which is for Ralph to impregnate a younger woman. <laughs> <laughs> when, when 
Arthur tries to politely get across that he'd like to have a baby with Princess Carolyn. He gives uh, Princess Carolyn a Harvey Firestein ovulation smartwatch to wear at all times to give them the best possible chance of conceiving. So we then see them eating at Sandro's, um, but their lunch is interrupted by Princess Carolyn's Harvey Firestein watch, saying that their, uh, their ovulation window is closing soon. Princess Carolyn insists they uh, don't even pay for lunch. Get out of there right now. Um, she paints a picture of their son, Philbert, the life that they're going to have with Philbert, all the ways in which Philbert is going to amaze and just delight the pair of them as parents. Uh, and it convinces uh, Ralph that they have to leave right now to the point where she's on all fours on the table, menacingly, rather threateningly looking down on them that they have to leave straight away. So they're speeding frantically through the streets, trying to get home through all the traffic. As this Harvey Firestein smartwatch effectively acts as a ticking time bomb on Princess Carolyn's wrist about how the time has run out for them to have sex, otherwise she won't be ovulating again, and they might miss a window yet again. And at the worst possible moment, the car gets quicker and quicker. She makes Ralph put his foot down even more on the pedal, and they get pulled over by Meow Meow Fuzzy Face. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There he is. Much like the doctor is more interested in the gags, is more interested in getting himself over as this wannabe actor rather than a policeman. It turns out they were going 36 in a 35 rather than them speeding at the 80, 90 miles an hour we're made to believe. Um, but their protestations about this potentially petty crime only result in them getting arrested. It only gets more serious when Princess Carolyn shouts back at Meow Meow Fuzzy Face trying to hold them up. Uh, in the car, as they're being dragged away, Princess Carolyn asks if Ralph's lawyer is any good. When he says yes, 
they start having sex in the car. <laughs> Meow Meow Fuzzy Face doesn't want to look. He's appalled. He doesn't like that they're not acknowledging his gags. And we just hear, <laughs> we just hear as the police car drives away with him having sex in the back, he screams at what's going on that he has to watch in his rearview mirror. Um, just those brief scenes for the two of them. But again, it's plot heavy while they are on camera. Uh, there is pressure. There is tension. But at least it's theoretically for a good cause, for them having a baby rather than for being over the potential breakup stuff that we've seen between Diane and Peanut Butter. And I think that's why it's played more for laughs than for anything else. I think this was kind of the the perfect counterweight to sort of, you know, we've had a lot of serious stuff going on with uh, Diane and Peanut Butter, as you've just kind of touched on there. So to get to get quite a serious topic dealt with in a, a fantastically funny way, I can't express to you, how funny the Harvey Firestein like watch is in terms of as a device to use <laughs> because the way that it while it's he's narrating the stages that she's at the little video that's coming up on the watch the whole time which is adding to the tension of her like <laughs> we desperately need her to get to this point so her and Ralph can go and make her babies <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's brilliant brilliant this and again like. I'm sure it was deliberate, but as you mentioned there, two guys who are trying to get like trying to get their gags in during you know quite a serious time. If that isn't a commentary on just how little knowledge, how little care, and how little interest men have in all of the things that women have to deal with, man, I, come on! I mean, that's not by accident, that is it. Well, no. me on fuzzy face, who we do love on this show, we should point out, and who we believe is the only albino rhino gyno I know, Michael. <laughs> yes? I think is it he's the a same guy? Isn't he a wine addict? He's a wine addict, I've heard as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't think it wasn't lost on me about this, the fact that, like, as we come into this office, and it's never technically said, so we will leave a tiny, like, leeway for yeah. maybe, maybe it might not be him, but he did declare himself in season three, you'll recall, when Princess Carolyn went on dates. In fact, the same night, Michael, before mm. she actually met her beloved Ralph Stilton, she went on three dates. One of them was with an albino rhino gyno, who was a bit of an ass, let's be honest, on, on the night. Because uh, he said something about he'd, he'd happily put her up in stirrups and look at her old cat eggs, I think he even alluded to. Yeah. Which, looking back now in season three, might have even <laughs> been a nod towards where we're headed in this episode. Mm-hmm. But there you go, a little, a little, I guess maybe a, a sneaky Easter egg ahead of time, uh, because yeah, men are the worst again, <laughs> as Hollywood <laughs> continues to tell us, and as me and Michael Hamlet will continue to tell you, apparently, in this podcast. But anyway, not only will we tell you about all of those things, we will also, from time to time, we have been known to tell you about a thing we like to call horsing around on this show, where we go back through the episode and find all of the hidden meanings behind certain things, the small details you might have missed, or the like tiny little Easter eggs that have been just scattered around the episode, none of which, I believe, were fertilised during the making of this podcast. <laughs> um, but let me go back to the very beginning, and I'll start pulling them out the bag for you, shall I? We go all the way back to Bojack's house at the beginning of the episode. And something I noticed interestingly here, uh, Hollyhock, who we are enjoying the presence of now, and a fun new character who's entered the world. We've seen uh, in this show before young women wearing necklaces that have relevance, Michael. We've seen uh, in previous seasons that we just touched on in season three about uh, Penny having the triangle necklace on, but that 
that and Bojack's sort of fear and hatred of all things triple-sided and three-weird is is well documented at this point. That's not what we're going to get onto. Holly Hop, though, has a necklace on her neck, which is a little bit less mysterious, but she's got a little leaf on her necklace, and it is, of course, a holly leaf. Because ah, yes. She's Holly Hop, Michael. So what other kind of leaf is she going to have on her necklace? Which is a nice little, a little nod, I guess, to the character. Mm. Prickly, Michael. Who knows? I guess we need <laughs> to find out more about her. We go to our flashback in this episode, though, which... Thankfully, for the people who have to do the horsing around of this episode, was actually just a little brief one. It wasn't a huge, <laughs> long one for me to do. It was only a few, but we got some brilliant things here. Now, of course, as you'll know, these flashbacks where we go back to the 90s or back to the 80s, it's always someone driving in a car past the row of shops and they're all funly titled. This one, though, is such a, a, a meta joke upon a meta joke that they are now at the point where they are taking the piss out of the vehicle of which they tell what year it is <laughs> by taking the piss out of the vehicle now that they're taking the piss out of it's all a bit mad these are the names that you can spot though in that brief little flashback on some of the shops and billboards and advertisements there there's a billboard in the back that says relevant billboard there's also a shop that's called 1999 and under <laughs> <laughs> there's also a bit in a window that just says flashback joke <laughs> Uh, a Photoshop further down the line that just says 99-minute photo because, well, it would have taken quite some time back then, I would imagine. And I think they just thought, well, let's just chuck as many 99s in here as possible. There's also an advert for a TV show called It's Another Flashback <laughs> that airs on Saturdays at 9pm. There's a shop that's literally just called 1999 Store. Uh, there's, but it also has and keychains. <laughs> <laughs> because they're important as well. And at the very last but not least, there's a one at the very end, which you would miss if you were just watching it normally. It's so poorly done and quickly done. I think it's on purpose. It just says, period reference. It's just, they, they are so good at taking the piss out of taking the piss. It's not even fair. Um, Bojack's house again, though, we go back, and he's in the middle of telling uh, Hollyhock all about his... Antics in the 90s, shall we say. And he basically says that while he doesn't get to tell her all about his flashback, the point is, Michael, I banged a lot of women. One night stands, two night stands, Nunas, Spooners, hot air ballooners. <laughs> <laughs> hot air ballooners. Does sound fantastic. <laughs> we go to the opening credits and uh, Hollyhock is now part of the opening credits after she is allowed to stay on Bojack City. Uh, she can be found on the settee, on the couch, uh, in the first bit of animation that you'll spot her in. does come in weirdly late, though. It's um, maybe just me being picky again and being far too fussy, but normally you see them already in the shot, sat on the settee. We get a shot in the room, the settee's there, and then Hollyhock randomly like, pops in a second too late almost, which is just a little tidbit I found worth, worth, worth noting. And then you'll also find her in the kitchen later on eating a Pop-Tart, Michael, which at this point we don't even think we'd probably seen this, I don't know, if we had before the credits. So a little nod there, a little foreshadowing to what was going to come. Uh, we go across to Mr. Peanut Butter's house, though, and as he's right in the middle of his campaign, we see there's a few posters in his room, uh, a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah, one of them is just a poster that says, California needs a Mr. Peanut Butter for governor, but not if you ask Diane Nguyen, it would seem. Um, ironically, though, Diane, who after failing to uh, be fracked by Mr. Peanut Butter, shall we say, <laughs> uh, gets out of bed and you'll see she's wearing a pair of blue underwear, but the blue underwear have got little pink dog bones on them. 
which is quite nice and cute, that, isn't it? Despite all the terrible, terrible things that are going on with those two. In Mr. Peanut Butter's room, there's also an, uh, a poster that just says grr on it, and it's got his dog face, <laughs> um, which is funny by itself, but it is actually also a nod, Michael, to a famous bit of art by Roy Lichtenstein. His painting, it's literally called grr, right, okay. which is also of a similar theme where it's like the dog looking angry and it's got the stripes on it, um, as the picture does on there, because this show is great and it references so much art Throughout the episodes, we try to cover them as many times as we possibly can, but there's so many of them that it's bloody hard for anybody to keep track of them. Anyway, we go back into the show. Now we get a few brilliant, brilliant gags. Still at Mr. Peanut Butter's house here. In the middle of doing classic peanut butter, he's about to go on a bit of a one. He says, wow, am I John Davison, Kathy Lee Crosby, and Frank Tarkenton right now? Because that's... And then Katrina cuts him off, so we never get to find out what he's going to say. But for anybody who's done a bit of homework, you will know that John Davison, Kathy Lee Crosby and Frank Tarkenton, they were all hosts on the show. That's incredible, Michael, which ah. is, of course, the payoff to the gag. And That's Incredible was an American uh, reality TV show that aired on ABC TV back in the 80s, Michael, back in the 80s. And the show basically featured people performing stunts and reenactments of alleged paranormal events. Ah, okay. uh, it also featured people with unusual talents, such as speed talker John Machita Jr., Michael. So there you go. I love how the internet just came along and invented Vine and made that show redundant. Amazing, that is how. <laughs> why would we wait for a weekly show when we could do it now? <laughs> but brilliantly, that isn't the last one of these gags we get because Peter Butter, when told he is allowed, this one's a little bit more obvious, I think, yeah. is told to go and get breakfast by Katrina. He says, Yay, breakfast! and runs off very Todd-like. And he says, am I Emilio Estevez, Molly Ringwald, Jude Nelson, <laughs> the principal? <laughs> and he gets cut off again before he can finish. But of course, he's about to say, because he's going to the breakfast club, Michael, a brilliant reference. And he's not finished there, because as he's off in the distance, going down the corridor, you can just faintly hear him saying, don't you forget about me. <laughs> <laughs> because he's got to get an in. Uh, we go back to Bojack's house once again. A little bit of an exterior gag this time. And uh, you'll see two people running outside of Bojack's house. One of them is running on the on the road. The other one, and that's a normal woman. And then running, a normal woman, just a woman, I should say. And then um, running across Bojack's garden and then up onto his fence and over the wall is a cat person who's on a run, Michael. Because, of course, she is. She's, she's able to run oh, on whatever the terrain is. She's literally running across the gate to his uh, house, I think, at one point, which is quite a cute little gag. But then we go to Bojack in his car, driving down the road. I thought this was great. This It's just a quick little gag. Um, they've obviously just come from his where the Pop-Tart has been burned in the microwave beyond repair. It's all on fire. They're going to leave it to tire itself out. They get in his car, and as we see him driving, he sat there trying to eat the burned Pop-Tart. <laughs> just figures he might be able to get the one little bite out of it. doesn't work out, so he just throws it out the back seat of the car in the end. Um, but we go across to St. <laughs> St. Bernard Medical Hospital, where Princess Caroline and Ralph are in there having their various tests. And we see inside the office of the albino rhino gyno that he's got a bunch of um, posters. <coughs> posters, sorry. An anatomical diagram is on the wall that is labelled girl parts. And there, <laughs> and there are various different parts of a woman that are labelled. We have the mighty uterus. We have the supreme ovum. And then we also have one of those, you know, like the side on of a human being, and you can see the mm. inside. It just says the the inimitable side butt. 
which is just excellent. A great, great gag from top to bottom, ironically, if you like. Um, there's also a, <laughs> there's also a painting on his wall behind the albino rhino gyno, which is again, as we mentioned, there's great art in this show. It's a it's a real life painting by Georgia O'Keeffe. And the painting is called Jimson Weed slash White Flower Number One. It's like a little blue blossom flower that you'll see. Very cool indeed. And obviously, of course, looks a bit like the lady parts, shall we say, I guess is the reference we've got there. But then again, to the albino rhino gyno, Michael, who just not only is that a godful to say, but even worse, he's making all these jokes like like an omelette bar at a mongoose convention, you are running dangerously low on eggs, he says, to Princess <laughs> Carolyn. <laughs> Just, Which is just not so insensitive. And he's back again, Michael, because he says, let's just say you've got more than Harry Potter movies, but fewer than James Bond movies. <laughs> Which is just... To which Princess oh. Carolyn replies, Doctor, no! <laughs> <laughs> which is, of course, a reference to the James Bond film, Doctor, no, you see, it's all happening here. There's also another poster uh, that he pulls out when he's sort of showing her the what she can have to help her become more fertile, I guess. And on the poster, it just says, you can do it. And then underneath it says, in quotes, it meaning sex. (laughs) (laughs) With sex underlined. Brilliantly, of course, we did mention this earlier, the eye ovulate device, which Princess Carolyn is given, is voiced by Harvey Firestein, who, for anybody who knows Harvey Firestein, you'll know him probably as the actor who was Frank Hillard, in Mrs. Doubtfire, Michael, who is the brother of, oh, yeah. um, of, of Robin Williams' character in there, who helps him make the costume to be Mrs. Doubtfire. A fantastic character, undoubtedly. Although I do think this watch gives gives it a run for its money because <laughs> performance nonetheless. Um, we go to go- Girl Crush HQ. And uh, there's some brilliant things here. As you mentioned, they're in a meeting. When we get on the screen, we get the clickboard where we get to see the rankings of all the articles and stuff that are going well. There's some good ones here, we'll have to say. Just giving you the headlines here. The top one is, these soups will enrage you. (laughs) There's one below it called Celebrity Butt Hacks. There's another, uh, Butt Hacks, of course, being a good little nod there too. Buttocks, Michael, if you didn't get that one. Um, there's There's another title called 69 days of 69ing, uh, followed by I used sex lube as lip gloss. <laughs> and the bottom one is just called Guess Who's Leggings. <laughs> <laughs> also, I just thought it was great that they don't have an office. She says, uh, Stefani says to Diane, can I talk to you in your office? And she says, I don't have an office. She says, well, can I talk to you in the hot take cool down yoga area? Then <laughs> That just feels like the most sort of millennial Yes. a millennial creative way to have a conversation undoubtedly and in that room Michael there's a wall full of quotes we've seen a similar wall in Girl Crush before a new one here and a bunch of quotes on the wall one of them says keep calm and carry kombucha there's another one that says be productive AF there's another one that says high expectations high hopes high dreams high heels there's another one that says stop saying stop saying I wish it starts saying I'm hot <laughs> Okay. There's a big crossed out sign that says toxins and bad vibes, which aren't allowed in the yoga area, Michael. Oh. It says also be sassy, not sorry. And then also think posture, while also saying believe in crush self, <laughs> <laughs> which just feels so forced. And the last one that says <laughs> flawed and on fleek, which is pretty much everyone in the world of girl crush, it seems. 
brilliantly as well. I just thought it was great to get the branding in on every MacBook that you can see, that's, or Mac iMac that's on display. The background for all of them is hashtag crush. <laughs> Massive big letters. And also, brilliantly, Michael, a wonderful, wonderful callback because as Stefani is talking to Diane, we get a close-up of her and just over her shoulder, one of the workers is working on an iMac. Are they working hard, Michael, or hardly working, though? Because it looks like one of them is playing on Decapathon 7. Oh, of course, the game that Todd almost lost his whole life to back in season <laughs> one, which stopped him from completing his rock opera. Well, it turns out she's just playing it there, and it's brilliant how it shows you more of it being just like Tetris, basically. It's amazing. <laughs> we go across to um, to Marcy's house at the North Hollywood Condos, and there's a sign outside that literally reads North Hollywood Condos. But it only reads that, Michael, because it's such a bad area that the D of the Hollywood is still technically on the sign, but it's just hanging off in such a disastrous <laughs> bad way because uh, the sign's just beaten up. Also in the background, for anybody who's been paying attention over this season, you will have heard them talk about the bridge to Hawaii that's been built and is now very much in play. We see it in the background here, and it is massive. as a sign of just excellent. bridge to Hawaii, and the whole thing is just jam-packed full of traffic. It does not look like it's going well, Michael. I've got to be honest. Thank you, Mr. Peanut Butter and Katrina for that one. Um, there's also a scrapbook, the, the scrapbook, should I say, that Marcy has, uh, that she takes, of, she shows to Hollyhock. There's not a great deal here that isn't just visual stuff. It's 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 a treat to read, but uh, she does have a few things that she's written in there. One of the bits says, "I love only you, my sweet mascarpone." <laughs> <laughs> of course, a good little player there. There's also shots of Bojack with other people, and one of them she's just scribbled across "hideous beast" over one of the women who he's with. Uh, while also there's like a Bojack, I don't know how she's even gotten these. It's Bojack in like a photo booth with another woman. And she's doodle over all the images, but just across him, she's just written pretty pony. So <laughs> <laughs> also done a little doodle of him that just says Marcy 1997, which I'll be honest, looks like a pencil doodle that maybe Lisa Hannawalt has done just to include there. It looks great. Very, very good indeed. And there's a one we get later on where there's just a bunch of stuff here. But the big highlight really is for... Um, Tilda Madison, who obviously we end up going to visit, she's just written, evil wrinkled hua <laughs> next to it. And then out of Bojack's mouth, it says, Marcy, dear, save me from this demon raisin. <laughs> um, and there's also a letter that just looks like a to-do list, to be honest. It just says, laundromat, call Biv, pick up bulbs, finish fanfic, and then unticked at the bottom, it says, destroyed Tilda Madison. <laughs> and there's a little picture that you only get a tiny bit of, which really looks like a hammer smashing a head. <laughs> but you don't get to see all of it. It could be an egg. It could be a head. Who bloody knows at this point? Um, we go across to Sandro's place. Um, and as I noticed in the background, Michael, flannel shirt, you know, flannel shirt and flat cap man. We've seen him yeah. a million times. And he started a relationship with Veronica, who is the bird person who continually gets hit with things by Bojack, usually. Uh, we've seen her. She has the worst look in this show. She mm -hmm. was originally spotted on the, the set of Hollywood stars and celebrities. What do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out in season two. And it seems their relationship is still ongoing. Uh, they have seen feeding each other dessert in the background here. Nice to see some things are still going well in the world yeah. of Bojack. Awesome. Um, and that's a brilliant bit here, which uh, maybe you can help me try and unpack. Princess Carolyn says to Ralph, or oh, we kind of come in in the middle of their conversation, she says, so this, 
So the studio finished Mars Attacks without him, and since no one ever found a body, my client Tony Tromboni has been making movies under the name Tim Burton ever since. Now, obviously, we know that Tim Burton was, of course, the man who directed Mars Attacks and a bunch of other films. But I don't know if there's more to this. I haven't been able to find anything specifically, but the... And since nobody ever found a body bit, my client, Tony Tromboni, has been making movies <laughs> in the name Tim Burton ever since. Just feels like a clever... I don't know what it is. I haven't been able to decipher it yet, but it's it's had me laughing, put it that way, because I love this idea that Tim Burton would be running around as a fraud this whole time. <laughs> a mysterious there might be something to it. There might be something to it. So if anybody else finds something in there, please do let us know at Podcast Horseman. Now, we go across to MSNBC. Our good friend Tom Gumbo Jumbo and Mr. Peanut Butter. We get a bunch of headlines, as you can imagine. Mr. Peanut Butter, high on frack. <laughs> as well as the one that says, attack on frack. Internet person asks if it's whack. Um, of course, you mentioned the picture of Diane eating a messy sandwich, which is a pop art in itself, a brilliant, brilliant uh, visual gag. But then I just thought that it's non-stop this. We, of course, do have a news ticker, which I will get to in just a second. Um, but there's a bit as you mentioned, where <laughs> Tom cuts to, he says, joining us now via Periscope, which can anybody remember Periscope, which was a mm. thing where everybody was using their phones, basically, to just send people direct video through the link. A, a thing that seems to have faded away these days, yeah. but probably would have been rife, I imagine, in, what, 2016, 2017, when this season would have been airing on. Is that right? How, how quickly we forget. How quickly we forget, <laughs> Michael. But he says, yes, joining us now via Periscope is Frankie Flackery. Foreman and spokes yak for flackery will get you everywhere, which is just magical. But then we go down to the news ticker that is going across the bottom. We've seen these before on the show, but another few great ones here. Bipartisan committee puts forth plan to continue to ignore Flint water crisis. We also get the Congress. This was great. Congress reforms exploitative prison labour laws. But then straight after that, we get correction. Congress reforms <laughs> laws. The second one with a hyphen between re and forms. The first one just reforms. Great little gag that. Then we get, and I'm going to mess this up, but I'm going to give it a try anyway. Then we get cat, cat do cat, comma man, comma do man canoe to Timbuktu, <laughs> <laughs> which I can't do again. But you know, this show. What can I say? Yeah. It's ridiculous. There's also the next one, which is my personal favourite from these, which just says in quotes, speak English, yells Patriot at soy milk. (laughs) 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 Which is just spectacular. God damn it. I love that. And then we also get hero wears ribbon on red carpet, along with bloated corpse found in White House, discovered to actually be bloated alive person. (laughs) <laughs> and the last two here California Highway Bridge as we've just mentioned battles ballooning budget bottlenecking black ball by, by bottlenosed belly acres comma blackfish <laughs> <laughs> and we also get at the very end a very cute gag this Muslim kills at opening mic night Christian kills at grocery store <laughs> <laughs> And I should point out that was, of course, open mic night, but, you know, you get the jail. Um, you get the gist, sorry. We go to Ralph's car. Um, he and Princess Carolyn are pulled over on the road, Michael. They are pulled over outside Lady Footlocker, if that's for anybody's mm. uh, reference. 
But brilliantly, of course, they are pulled over by Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face. And while they try to plead their case, Michael, Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy says, now, now, talk back to Officer Meow Meow is a major no-no. <laughs> <laughs> and they are parked outside a shop that is brilliantly just called Lizard Wigs. I just nice. I thought that was interesting. Do the lizards wear wigs? I don't in know. That world, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, they're probably allowed to. They can wear whatever the hell they want. Shut up, Adam, you old man. They do in the United Kingdom. They're called crowns. They're called Donald. No, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Lizard people aren't real. Don't believe the truth. Uh, we go to pull Jack Horseman's car. Uh, he's also pulled over the road at one point, and he pulls up outside of a clothing store when he and Hollyhock pull over. She demands that he pulls the car over. And you will notice that these clothing store they pull up outside, Michael, all of the mannequins in that store are now wearing the Todd yellow beanie and the oh. Todd funny because he is of course now a hipster celebrity who was basically same fashion um, there's also a sign, this was a really like, a, a cute gag, This just a little sign in the background if you're paying attention it's a sign for Chris Burden's Urban Birds um, like art display and it's, it's Chris Burden spelled bird as you'd imagine and then there's a bunch of birds with high necks, sort of like they've got little like light bulbs for eyes almost but if you do some digging, Michael, it also says at the bottom, it says L-A-C-M-A underneath. And if you do some digging, there was indeed a real uh, thing. L-A-C-M-A, for stars is obviously, for anybody of our American listeners probably know this, the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. Mm. Uh, but in real life, this is actually a nod to Urban Light, which was, a, was and I believe still is, a large-scale assemblage sculpture by Chris Burden, spelt with a U, uh, located at the Wilshire Boulevard entrance to Los Angeles County Museum of Art. The 2008 installation, and this sounds pretty cool actually, consists of restored lamps from the 1920s and 1930s, most of them which once lit the streets of Southern California. So there you ah, go. Ah, wow. It's just a little... Uh, it's, love how long-winded that is for such a... It's literally a tiny yeah. couple of seconds, little nod, but that. someone wanted to... Uh, to give a nod to that, and I think mm. it's a great nod too. I'd quite like to see that, to be honest. Uh, we go to Mr. Peanut Butter's house, though, and this is there's nothing really big or hidden about this. Just Todd being Todd and having excellent moments. He's <laughs> eating a bowl of decapricorn flakes for starters. <laughs> it's just magical as he pours milk on him and eats those. And then I've already mentioned it, but he just him and his damn <laughs> air horn that he whips out of his coat are just brilliant gags across the board. We go back to Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face's police car now, Michael. Things have taken a turn for the worse, as you mentioned. And while nobody's paying attention to his gags, they are still worth they are still worth our time. And someone was paying attention, and it was me. And as the two of them are in the back trying to make a baby, shall we say, um, <laughs> Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face says, I'll write you up for lewd conduct, lewd, crude, and partially nude. Not to mention the rude tood of you two dudes, while this prude, hey, listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Some great stuff there, especially yeah. Princess Carolyn would normally appreciate that kind of thing, but she's obviously too busy, Michael. Oh, Far right. too busy. Bojack Horseman, we go back to his house now, and there's a brilliant painting. I think we might have mentioned this already. I can't remember if we've touched it or not. But if we haven't, let me just say it again anyway. Bojack now has a painting in his house, Michael. Uh, it's the sunset view of the brilliant, luscious view that he and Sarah Lynn would take in with the, the sort of the hill that looked like a pair of buttocks, as she describes it. Yeah. Her of Herb Kazaz's ass cancer. I think we've mentioned this before already, but I just think it's quite telling that he now has this painting in his house as a reminder 
perhaps of everything bad that's happened to this point, particularly with Sarah Lynn and I guess with Herb Kazaza's ass cancer. Um, we've got Bojack knocking on doors again, popping, trying to save the day and trying to be the good Samaritan. And a brilliant poppy, as you mentioned. Call a Mercedes Benz Brown, Michael. That is, <laughs> it has absolutely no right that. It's got no right whatsoever. And it ends up being a huge popper from something so ridiculous. Almost a little wink and a nod, I feel like the family guy, you know, the P.T.A. Mm-hmm. grip. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Really, really cute that. Um, we go to Mr. Peanutbutter's house, though, now, and, and he and Diana are in the middle of it all. Uh, notably, though, she does still have, I thought it was interesting, they keep the burn mark that she gets on her jacket still seen at the end of the episode. Right. Sets her sleeve on fire because of the fracking has mm. caused flames to come out of her taps at this point. And we also get a little quick glimpse of the article that she has um, is about to send and Mr. Peanut Butter tries to stop her, which reads as follows, The Case Against Mr. Peanut Butter by Diane Nguyen. We live in troubling times. Our democracy has been hijacked at the highest level by hordes of grinning idiots, cults of personality, two-bit flim-flam artists, and entertainers in empty suits who are less interested in addressing the many crises facing our world than they are in fame for the sake of fame and power for the sake of power. More than ever, what California needs is a leader with vision, a seriousness of purpose, and a righteous, unwavering dedication to justice. What we are being offered is Mr. Peanut Butter. First, a story. My husband got two tickets to the ballet, and then it cuts off. We don't get (laughs) But a fairly damning indictment there of Mr. Peanut Butter. That's Mm -hmm. only the beginning as well. That's just the opening paragraph. So, God... (laughs) Uh, what on earth that leads to. As you recall, she smashes Diane, she mash, Diane smashes Mr. Peanut Butter's good boy mug. The mm. mug reads good boy. And he says, Robert Blake gave me that mug as she smashes the mug. And for anybody who doesn't know who Robert Blake is, though, there's, a, there's an extra layer here, Michael, to this. Because if you do a bit of digging, you will first find out that Robert Blake, of course, is an American actor. He's known for the star roles that he had in a film called In Cold Blood. And he was in the US television series Beretta, which is all good and well. But more interestingly, Michael, two things, yeah? He was also in a short film uh, in 1940 that was called Good Bad Boys, which I can only assume is a a bit of a tie-in to all this. But it would also seem... Perhaps Mr. Robert Blake isn't necessarily a good boy, or certainly he might be in the eyes of the law, technically, but it's a bit suspicious because uh, he was he was arrested on charges in 2001 for the murder of his wife, uh, but ended up being acquitted as they couldn't tie him to the murder weapon. Yeah. Still, the good boy might be a bit of a stretch, I think, in this, in this instance, but quite telling that they would have that be the reference tied to the mug as we're watching this domestic violence scene essentially or potentially rather unravel before our very eyes before it all turns very cracky mm. interesting that isn't it yeah i like that great pub really good that, that comes just before the fact we get those teeth of mr peanut butter which yeah. i mentioned already uh, but then again i have to I do have to give one last nod to the final line of course frack me mr peanut butter frack me <laughs> is just magnificent what a turnaround of events especially from the beginning of the episode where it wasn't working for any of them but 
Thankfully, those are all of our bits of horsing around for this episode. But apparently, let me just check with our producer, me. Yes, there is still time <laughs> for one last thing. And I swear to God, I'll shut up about this podcast forever. I tell you what, Michael, mm-hmm. I'm going to go first this week. Okay. I've gone for a lighter one this week, right. which is it's about damn time because I'm sick of going into... This is why Bojack is so broken at the very core of his character, (laughs) which feels like every goddamn week. But in this particular instance, another wonderful, wonderful deep dive for you, Michael, and a reference here, because as you will have picked up on during this episode, Bojack mentions that one of his previous partners was Tonya Harding. Now, I don't know if that name name rings any bells to you, but let me just go over the things that Bojack mentioned. He said in the episode, he said, ah, Tonya Harding. She's not going to be happy to see me. She said sleeping with me is the worst thing she ever did. <laughs> and on top of that, later on, Bojack, when he's actually knocked on Tonya's door to see her, he also says, thank you, Tonya. I know we've had our differences, but seeing you always leaves me weak in the knees. Yes. <laughs> now, what reference are you going to crowbar into this one? Now, well, who could possibly imagine? For anyone who is sitting there completely confused and wondering... I didn't know this myself, but obviously after a bit of digging, found out, of course, Tonya Harding being the figure skater, the American figure skater. Famously, though, Michael, caught up in all sorts of controversy when Mm. it came to figure skating and eventually banned from the sport itself, of course, because, (laughs) I mean, brilliant this. Michael's just done such a wonderful uh, action with his arms of someone chopping down a tree or chopping down a person, as it would happen in this situation. Basically, she attacked... A planned and plotted with, um, I believe, her partner at the time to attack another figure skater uh, to prevent them from being able to compete. And was a, that exact figure skater was attacked, of course, in the thigh slash quad slash knee area, of course, the weak yeah. in the knees <laughs> reference. Um, but yes, this is obviously famously known as the 1994 Corbo Arena attack, which is just, it's madness, this. Let, like, go and read about this. In fact, the more I think about it, we've connected the dots in my head there. This is, of course, surely the I, Tonya movie. I've never seen it, but I assume yeah. that now that my brain's doing the thinking, that that's what we're looking at. But basically, yeah, uh, she was attacked. Um, an extended telescopic bat striking the lower right thigh of poor uh, Nancy Harrigan, I believe is the name of the poor woman in question. Uh, and then the they kind of bailed on it and ran away. So, yeah, apparently Bojack doesn't, discriminate against people who hit people and get themselves banned from figure skating. And I guess, Michael, maybe sleeping with Bojack Horseman wasn't the worst thing <laughs> that Tonya Harden ever did. I would like to believe that sleeping with Bojack Horseman convinced that the only way to win in figure skating was to attack Nancy Carrigan. It feels <laughs> like maybe that came up in a like sort of post-coitus conversation between the two. Yeah. One of them likes to run. One of them likes to figure skate. You know, who knows? Maybe there was some sort of middle ground for them. <laughs> <laughs> a little, a, a very, very minor crossover, by the way, for anybody that has found this podcast through What Culture Wrestling. The Kobo Arena was the building where Hulk Hogan pushed the big show off after they had a monster truck fight. So there you go. Uh, a little oh, bit of trivia. He was attacked by a masked. He was attacked by a masked assailant with a, a shot to the leg. And that was a little nod of them paying tribute, I think, to the uh, the attack as well. Ah, um, very good. Which isn't my one last thing, because this is about Bojack Goddamn Horseman. Yes, now, if anybody listened last week, I got a bit on me bullshit. So I uh, I, I don't want to sort of <laughs> go into that again. You were ever off your bullshit. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't want to go into detail that again. And, you know, obviously I want people to listen. So please go back and listen to a slightly wild and out there theory I posited last week. But for my one last thing this week, Nicholas. Yes. Is, what, is Todd God? <laughs> no. I'm bringing this back. I'm is this bringing... a new gimmick that you've started on this show? <laughs> is Todd God? <laughs> Todd God. Yes. Uh, my one last thing for this week is Godcast Horseman. Is Todd God? <laughs> Um, I was very grateful that you noted during my review that I'd undersold Todd's damn when Katrina was ah. just having Diane's life. I was very pleased about that because it turns out that damn is the only word he says in this episode of Bojack Horseman. After a full Todd episode, as you said, he got lots of plot, he got lots of development, lots of silliness. Uh, he is given only the word damn in this one. God damn, Nicholas, that was the only word he was allowed to say. Now, this made me think, are they suggesting here, by the, the God damn joke, that Todd, this figure that has done so much, has acted as a figure of salvation to so many, as a lot of people treat religion with a bit of a pinch of salt. I know what you're going to say, yeah. Go on. Often, he's never needed, but when people need him, he is there. Capital H on he and him. Um <laughs> When people have stopped caring and stopped listening, it's like he doesn't exist. It's like he's not there in their lives until they need him most. Is that a comment from the writers on how a lot of people, not all, and again, I can't stress this enough just because I'm not religious, this is not a commentary on Christianity, how a lot of people kind of use and abuse faith within their life. Is Todd God? Because is he that figure to the characters in Bojack Horseman? Well, you've brought this to my table at a very interesting time, Michael, because as a man who is currently watching The Sopranos for the very mm. first time, and a bunch of characters who I think <laughs> we can probably say, pick and choose their times to be religious, I think, yes. in this show, yeah. or certainly to call upon it, I think you could be onto something there. And I would like to see this continue throughout the rest of our show forever now. So your <laughs> job this new gimmick that you've got for yourself. So by next week, because I know you've got the production skills, you can make yourself a jingle, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll insert it into the show every week. It's time for the Todd God Show. <laughs> and I call it one last thing, and then I swear to Todd, I'll shut up about this theory forever. <laughs> swear to God. Todd, God, <laughs> it's all good, brother. Oh, God, we've gone off from PCM. Oh, hi. Look, that was your one last thing. I've done my one last thing. Let's let these poor people get off this podcast. We will quickly give you a few little nods in the correct or maybe incorrect direction. Depends where you lie with it. If you would like more of Podcast Horseman and indeed Bojack Horseman, Toddcast Horseman, Godcast Toddcast, <laughs> Podcast Hodcast Horseman, you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a like, share, follow Whatever the hell you want to do on there. We love interacting with fans of the show. We love hearing your thoughts about various different episodes, various things. We The only thing we say is that if we could, if you want to talk about anything outside of what we're covering on the show, this is, of course, a spoiler-free podcast, so we can only really discuss things up to the point we're at on mm -hmm. the podcast. But, of course, as a few people have done already, if you want to, you can always let us know your thoughts in the DMs because Podcast Horseman DMs, for anybody who doesn't already know, they are open. So if you ever want to message us a few 
long-winded things that maybe you wouldn't want to necessarily want to post, by all means, please do. We do love reading those, even if we don't get a chance to reply to many of them, because, in fairness, we're just busy guys, Michael, isn't it? That's the way it is. I am a lazy bum, yes. <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> I, was try- I was trying to give you an out, but, you know, whatever. You could have you could have called on your two kids there or anything, but no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's no, fun. you're right, you're right. There are a couple of lazy bums, too. <laughs> Well, if you want to follow this lazy bum on Twitter or Instagram, you can follow him at It's Adam Nicholas. And if you really want to follow an even lazier bum <laughs> on Twitter, you can find Michael Hamflit at... At Michael Hamflit. Um, we would love you earnestly, sincerely to listen to this podcast um, or to find it indeed on any sort of other of your Apple podcasts, your Spotify's, your Aircasts, all of the stuff we said at the top of the show. Basically anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to Podcast Horsemen. And we would love you to leave a review, which is what Lord underscore dot underscore did from the <laughs> Netherlands. So thank you very much. I do apologise if some of your name has been changed. But thank you for this review anyway, Lord underscore dot underscore. Simply said super, left us those five stars and said, I really like the setup and general discussion and then the Easter eggs that you missed. Thank you very much for that short and succinct review. It was something nice. Of course, as a reminder, you can leave us something nasty like Lord underscore dot underscore has done. He will be getting a start on the Hollywood Talk of Fame and you can too. Just leave us feedback through any of the podcast apps that allow and it could be coming your way very soon. Indeed, indeed. More stars for the podcast horsemen. Hollywood talk. I've completely lost my train of thought. Oh, oh. The Hollywood talk of fame is what it's called. This goes to show you just how long it is since I've actually done one of the stars. Right. I'm going to have to do this. I'm sorry, guys. I will do these stars for you. I will get them sorted very soon. Great. <laughs> I just don't want to get, I don't want to promise the world and then not be able to deliver if something comes up the weekend. I am going to try and do it this weekend. There you go. I've said it now. Okay, so it's out there. It's out there. I look forward to your disappointment. I will carry <laughs> a jar full of your tears in the future. I'm sorry. I do try. I promise you. It's just sometimes life has a way. Anyway, some of you might suggest that you want to send me your thoughts and prayers at this time, which is ironic. Because that is the episode title for the next episode of Bojack Horseman. This the and indeed the next episode of Podcast Horseman. So next up, this Netflix synopsis for season four, episode five, is indeed thoughts and prayers. A mass shooting at a mall creates a PR nightmare for Princess Carolyn. Bojack takes Hollyhock to visit his estranged mother. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! If there's one thing I know about this show, whenever I see Bojack, it's gonna he's gonna do some stupid shit. But then whenever I see Bojack with his mom or dad or any sort of form of parental can we even call them parents? I don't even know at this point. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be sad. And it's gonna be infuriating, I would imagine. So anyway, yes, looking forward to next week's episode. Should be good. If you want to watch that and indeed come and listen to this podcast, please do. And if you want to find out what happens, well, you'll have to come back. In the meantime, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflit. I've just realised how loud that clap probably was to everybody. Apologies for your eardrums. But this, of course, has been Podcast Horseman. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.